Warning. This is not the actual film Loop on the Third the First. This is a podcast episode designed to discuss the English dub of the film. If you wish to check out the film of Loop on the Third the First, uh, you can do so either on Blu-ray or via any of the number of download-to-own services that carry the film. With that out of the way, here's a disclaimer. This episode may contain language and adult situations that aren't appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode also contains spoilers for the film, Loop on the Third the First, and possibly other anime and films. Please keep this in mind as you listen. Finally, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect those of the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. So with that, enjoy the show. And I'm going to go ahead and leave my thief calling card here. Signed, Roots of Justice, and Lack the Watcher. Hello, and welcome to another special edition of Dub Talk. Um, This is Summer at the Movies. Yay. Uh, Yeah. The show where a bunch of nerds talk about thieves, stealing stuff, leaving <laughs> calling cards, running from the cops. Uh, tonight, I am joined by fellow Dub Talk member and good friend, Lack the Watcher. Hello, everyone. Uh, and tonight, I'm pretty sure this is our first foray into the um, the quote-unquote proper loop on the third Dub cast. Um, where we'll be discussing Loop on the Third, the first. Yeah, I guess that's right, because it's just been the, uh, the, the Koiki movies, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it that's... It has. Because, uh, you guys have never done, um, like, Mamo or anything like that, right? So... No, we've been talking about that and, um, Cagliostro for a while. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day those will get off the ground. Cagliostro is like it's a whole other can of worms, though. So you know, yeah, <laughs> kind of Mamo is too, but not so much to that extent. So when we finally do them, we will be doing them hard. Yeah. Uh, so a brief little description here. Um, this is the 2019 uh, CG animated film uh, from. TMS Animation and Marza Film. It's basically the thing that got a lot of people into Lupin. So. Yes. Uh, so I have a little pro- plot description here, courtesy of ANN. So, Lupin the Third, the first, is the franchise's first 3D CG feature length film. The film's story centers on Lupin teeping up. Sorry, let me try that again. Uh, the film's story centers on Lupin teaming up with a woman named Leticia to steal the Brisson Diary, a treasure that even the first generation Arsene Lupin could not steal. Not quite, but we'll get to that. Yeah, that's that, that's essentially them trying not to spoil the movie. So, yeah, but it's a fun little flick. It's it's Lupin running through Mexico and Paris. Evading Nazis and... Right. Actually, that's one of the things I love about... 
that's one of the things I love about this movie is the fact that it's one of the first modern Lupin projects to say, hey, maybe we should set this in the 60s so everything makes sense. So Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I want to say at some level it's meant to be a reimagining. Um, I could be wrong. But well, it's it feels like it's it. mostly a love letter to the TV show, I imagine. Yeah, but I think absolutely be- because of the fact that Lupin actually being the grandson of Arsène Lupin is so integral to the story that they had to set it in the '60s for it to work. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with you know parts four through six, but it it is missing something with that sort of. You know, going around the countryside in the little yellow Fiat. Right. The the retcon that it's more of a title than his actual name is... It's not bad, yeah. but it does take away something, I think, that's kind of important. So... Yeah. I don't know what the Koike movies are trying to do, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's its own... That's its own thing. Yeah. A great thing, by the way. Um... <laughs> Especially the the series that preceded it. Maybe one of these days we can get a couple people on that and <laughs> talk about it a little since it's finally available again. The show that has boobies and owl men in it. <laughs> uh. So, since we will be discussing the dub, um, first and foremost, let's go ahead and discuss the... Um, the ADR directing and script writing. Um, first off, for our directors, we have uh, Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea. Uh, you would be familiar from with their combined directorial work from things like Your Name, Lou Over the Wall, and Mirai. Uh, the script adaptation is from one Richard Epcar. Um, and if you... He doesn't do a lot of script writing, um, but if you happen to see things like Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, Boba Bobo Boba Bo, the first season. Uh, and he also worked on a lot of entries in, with the Loop on the Third franchise after Disco Tech yeah. started picking it up and TMS decided, you know what, let's go ahead and get the team up with Disco Tech, get the yeah. stuff dubbed. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, he, yeah, he's been basically shepherding the franchise here in the States uh, since it really came back, honestly. Um, yeah. I mean, they talk about, um, in their kind of... They, they talk about... There was a cast uh, sort of roundtable in the uh, Blu-ray for uh, Loop on the First where they kind of talk about how they were even surprised that they were making this, <laughs> honestly, because... Yeah. Because uh, Funimation dubbed... Uh, Lupin after Jinian. So, th- there was kind of this element, I think it's Jinian. I want to say it was uh, Jinian that was dubbing Lupin when th- when they yeah. had that cast. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, Jinian Pioneer, I believe. Yeah, Pioneer, like, distributed it, but Jinian was, like, the dubbing company or something. Um, but, yeah, they, they kind of talked about how, like, they figured it was gonna just, from that point forward, it was probably just gonna be Funimation that dubbed, uh, Lupin, that they were kind of done with it. So, but, yeah, they, they come back, and now they are the primary dubbing company for Lupin the Third. So it's it's really funny. Yeah. 
And honestly, I went to um, Anime NYC last last fall, and they had another loop on the third round table. Um, this one kind of set up by Sentai Filmworks because they picked up part six. Uh, and they got the cast together to kind of talk about their experiences, and that was actually really cool. Right. Um, and you really got, and you really got the sense that Richard Epcar really has been shepherding the franchise in English for a while. Right. Well, he's played three different members of the team. You know. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a joke he likes to make is, um, you know, maybe one day they'll end up casting him as Fujiko. Yeah. <laughs> I forget which version of the Cagliostro dub he voices Goemon in, but... Um, oh, um... Because that's I... where he voiced Goemon, was, was, in, uh, was in Cagliostro, but it wasn't, it wasn't in the David Hayter dub, I don't think... I don't, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but. Yeah, at some point I need to pull out the UHD and check out the other dubs on that Blu-ray. Right. I actually don't think I knew this was an uh, NYAV dub. I guess I just figured it was Bang Zoom yeah. that did it. Um, but that's really interesting, and I, I only just learned that it was uh, um, Michael and Stephanie who who. Uh, were the directors of this one. I, I had no idea, honestly. But uh, I guess that makes sense. And you know, it also... Yeah? It also just kind of goes to show that, um, you know, the core cast, you know, at a moment's notice can, can throw on the jacket and, you know, kill it. I'm trying to... Did NYAV do um, Neza? Or Neza? Yes, I want to say. I'm trying to think of if they've done CGI movies before because I assume they have. So uh, they have, in fact. Um, the um, actually, they've also done another film from Marza Animation, um, and we. I actually did a um, Summer at the Movies episode with Andrew on it a couple years back. Oh, yeah? um, Dragon Quest: Your Story. Oh right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, does G Kids work with NYAV a lot, or they do? Um, okay, I can't think of any um, any film that has been dubbed by directly by G Kids um, that hasn't gone through NYAV Post. Maybe a few things in their early days and a couple of Ghibli's, but that's about it. That's that's really interesting, actually. Um, and it's. I mean, I guess that's a testament to how the internet and how dubbing works nowadays that you can go to New York and have a primarily, you know, California-based cast. <laughs> Not to jump ahead, but, yeah. you know, like, that is that is very interesting. And I'm trying to think of... I'm trying to think of if this would have been recorded in the pandemic era, and I think it would have. Um, yeah, this would have been, like, late 2020, I think. 2021 right something like that well it was released in 2020 the first right. time the first time it was released was 2020 so i don't know if they would have recorded during the pandemic okay 
Because I remember, but like, yeah, early on in the pandemic, I think they that G Kids announced that it got the rights, or something like that. So I don't know. Okay. But yeah, this is all. It, it's also just a really good testament for NYAV Post being able to do these bicoastal dubs because they've been doing them for a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, uh, they just did. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this, but uh, they did memories, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So yeah, Discotech works with them too. So that's funny. Um. But I guess uh, Michael Sinternicholas and Stephanie Shea are very reliable directors, so I guess it's it's very mm -hmm. easy to work with them. Um, so I can kind of see that. And it's nice that Richard F. Carr did the script because of the fact that he has such a passion for this franchise. Um, I don't think anyone in America loves Lupin the Third more than Richard F. Carr. <laughs> so... No, I don't think so. Yeah, otherwise why else would he have played Zenigata <laughs> in The Woman Called Fujiko Mine? So, yeah, I I imagine he probably would have had to go to Texas in order to do that. So yeah. that in and of itself is pretty impressive, too. Well, he was probably like, well, Michelle's going. Maybe I'll go, too, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, overall, um, the script and the directing, I think, are fantastic in this, honestly. Like, yeah, it's not easy to dub a CGI movie. So you got to no, you got to um, give credit where it's due. Not everything is one-to-one. -one. I'm just going to say that. But I think it's very commendable how hard they tried to make the lip flaps fit. So... Yeah. And there's some, cle um, there's some clever choices in this, too. They made some clever choices in dialogue for this. So... Yeah, that was a thing brought up with the, um, with the Dragon Quest episode, too. And that, you know, you basically have to treat this like a live-action movie. Because you can't... While it would be nice, you are just not able to, like, remap the lip flaps at yeah. all. And they are very clearly saying specific words. Right. Like, sayonara and stuff like that. It's like... Yeah. See you later kind of works. It's not perfect, but at least it fits. So... Yeah, it, it fits. It doesn't look too, too awkward. There's a, there's a great moment that I like a lot when Lupin is saying, One and Encore... And I'm just like, and it, the lip flaps almost fit perfectly. And I'm like, oh, that was a really, like, clever way to, to approach, like, dubbing that. Like, that, that gives it personality, yeah. and it managed to fit, too. So, you know, thumbs up for that one. So, um... Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say something else. I was going to say something else. Uh, damn it. I forgot what I was going to say. But... <laughs> Honestly... It, it also kind of shows the directorial skill of uh, Michael Center Nicholas and Stephanie Shea when right. they can jump into a story franchise like Lupin the Third um, after many, many incarnations of this have been dubbed already. Right. And, and the... it feels like it fits. Yeah, I mean, this is basically a continuation of Part 2, essentially. If you look at the way Part 2 is presented, yeah. that's why Lupin has a red jacket. Because it's basically a continuation of part two. Um, and I think Richard being there helped them a lot, I would imagine. Because I yeah. feel like he was able to bring the personality that he has learned over several years of these characters. Not just of the character that he plays, but of the other characters that he has experienced with. So... Yeah. 
Because, uh, I mean, not only has he done script writing for Lupin, yeah. um, but he's also directed a lot of stuff for it. Right. So I feel like he would have a lot of experience with, you know, character quirks and, you know, how to, how to get everything just right. But, yeah, um, I think the direction of script writing was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, overall, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you're talking to a guy who loves Berserk. So anything Michael Sinterniklis does, yeah. you know, is gets a thumbs up from me. So, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, overall, I, I think that was very well executed. Um, I, it's, it's not, the lip flaps aren't perfect, like I said, but you know what? These people are professionals. They've been doing this for a very long time. And they really did the best they could with 3D animation. I remember what I was going to say. Um, we are at a point now where big video game studios are actually being able to go back and change their CGI, uh, animations to fit the American, like the English dub lip flaps. So it would be, it would be nice if one day in the future, I'm not saying that studios have to do this immediately. I'm just saying it would be great if in the future, like animation studios can do that, where they can go back and change the lip flaps to fit other dubs. So it feels more natural. I, I just would love to see yeah. that one day. I'm not saying I need that. I'm just saying it would be nice. So, uh, though I will say, um, like 100, percent and I know fidelity, it's expensive too. Um, just with, saying, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah. the 100 um, percent fidelity to lip flaps doesn't bug me too too much. It doesn't bug me there. either. It doesn't bug me either, honestly. But it but it is just like ah, uh, it's a shame, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just as long as the performance feels natural, like, I can get into it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, honestly, every time I come back to this, I'm like, oh, this is actually way more close than I gave it credit for the last time. So, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Alright, so move... Yep. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying, yeah, it's good. It's all good. Okay. Uh, so moving on to the characters of this film, um... Obviously, we have our our gentleman thief, Lupin III, uh, brought into action to attempt to steal the legendary Brisson Diary, uh, a legendary relic that his grandfather supposedly wasn't able to steal, but it later turns out that he kind of had a hand in creating the, uh, the mechanisms to house and protect the diary to begin with. Right. And, and work with Brisson himself to um, to protect the the Eclipse, this super powerful energy source, weapon, whatever you want to do with it kind of thing. Uh, we also have uh, Fujiko Mine, Daisuke Jigen, and Goimani Shikawa the 13th. Um, they're basically Lupin's buddies fair weather friends um they help him out in his heists um they kind of don't get too too much to do in the film because it's all um it's all lupon and leticia doing the grunt work but they're there they get they get to do stuff right um and then we have koichi zenigata uh (laughs) the cop who is single-mindedly trying to uh hunt down lupon the third um i remember a um 
an internet meme where somebody was just like, Her! I like, um, whenever I see Lupin, I like to put a fork in front of my eye so I can pretend he's in jail. <laughs> that sounds like something you uh, But yeah, Zenigata tries to catch Lupin. Lupin gets away. It's the Tom and Jerry complex of, uh, and it's what makes Lupin the Third work. And with our um, our film exclusive characters, we have Lambert. Uh, he portrays himself as a sort of philanthropic archaeologist who is trying to find the um, trying to find the Brisson diary and the eclipse. Oh, yeah. Oops. Turns out he is part of the, um, he's part of a, uh, da -da -do. um, he is part of an infamous, um, Nazi think tank called Ananerba, and, uh, he's up to no good with another guy who is a, um, his name is Gerard, and he is very, very loyal to Hitler and found he, out he might still be alive in South America. I made this joke when I showed my so parents. Oh, sorry. Um, so he's he's trying to find the eclipse to deliver it to Hitler and, you know, rebuild the Third Reich. I, uh, I made this uh, joke with my parents uh, when I showed them this, uh, that Gerard is the first actual Nazi in history to actually be loyal to Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong there. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Letitia. Uh, she is an aspiring archaeology student. Um, fluent in a great many old and dead languages. Um, she is being used by Lambert to get to get the um, to get the journal for him, and then later to figure out the um, the puzzles in the temple where the eclipse is being held. Uh, and it turns out, you know, her uh, her grandfather ends up being Brisson himself, um, who, alongside with Arsene Lupin the first sealed away the eclipse and tried to make sure nobody could get access to it until somebody was worthy. So they kind of do... So Lupin and Letitia kind of do it again. And going through our um, our list of characters here, um, Gerard is played by Paul Gayette. Uh, Letitia by Laurie Himes. Lambert by J. David Brimmer. Uh, Koichi Zenigata by Doug Erholtz. Goemon Ishikawa the 13th by Lex Lang. Daisuke Jigen by Richard Epcar. Uh, Fujiko Mine by Michelle Ruff. And Arsene Lupin the 3rd himself uh, is played by Tony Oliver. Uh, now you might know Paul Gayette as um, Seitoru Higuchi in Night, Night Short Walk on Girl. Uh, he's Heatwave in Transformers Rescue Bot Academy. Ergo in League of Legends. And the greatest middle finger 
I have ever seen in an anime film. Nimzo in Dragon Quest Your Story. Uh, Lori Himes, you would know as Lily in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, Mizore Yoroizuka in Liz and the Bluebird. And Saya Sasayama in Yu-Gi-Oh! RB. Uh, J. David Brimmer, you would know um, as Lieutenant Makoto Yamamoto in Irresponsible Captain Tyler. Eyepatch in Fully Coolie Progressive. Tatara in My My Miracle. And Zod the Immortal in both the 1997 and Golden Age films of Berserk. Side note, um, the Irresponsible Captain Tyler deep, uh, Blu-rays are on clearance on Right Stuff right now if you want to get them before they're gone. So... Do it, friends. Yeah, I, gra I grabbed my copy before they disappeared. So It is 100% worth your time. Yep. Right. Continue. So I just wanted only... to say that. <laughs> yeah, so Doug Earholtz is technically not from the Loop on the Third Part 2 cast. He kind of he kind of came in in the discotheque era after the original actor who played Zenigata in Part 2 retired. Right. Uh, but you would know him in such other roles as um, TK in Digimon Season 2, Kenneth L. Molloy Archibald in Fate Zero, fuck that guy, uh, Jean-Pierre Polnareff in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and Akihiro Artland in Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Yeah, he's like the youngest actor playing the oldest character, basically, I think is the is <laughs> yeah. kind of the joke, basically. Uh, so Lex Lang, you would know as War Greymon in Digimon, uh, Suguru Geto in Jujutsu Kaisen, Yuri in Megalobox, and he came back for Megalobox 2, and Suichiro Kuzuki in uh, Face Day Night Unlimited Blade Works. Uh, Richard Epcar, you would know as the older Joseph Joestar in JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Stardust Crusaders. Uh, he was both Etamon and Myotismon in the original season of Digimon. Uh, he's Bato in a lot of the Ghost in the Shell franchise, but you would probably know him best in the role from Standalone Complex. Or the movie. <laughs> or the movie. Yeah. And uh, he was also Hellbrom in The Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, Michelle Ruff, you would know as Rukia Kuchiki and Bleach. Luna in the Visery dub of Sailor Moon, Nat in the Promised Neverland, and Yoko Littner in Gurren Lagann. Uh, Tony Oliver, you would know as Lancer in Fate Stay Night, um, also Unlimited Blade Works and Heaven's Feel. Yeah. Uh, Ukiora Schiffer in Bleach, uh, Minato Namikaze, aka the fourth Hokage in Naruto, and he was also the narrator in Gurren Lagann. Spoilers. All right, it's so Elder Simon. Ah, aha. Um, honestly, I think I want to start the conversation with the um, with the movie exclusive characters. I get that. Yeah. Um, because they're sort of the ones who are the ones you need to get attached to. Right, and the actors are sort um, of mol molding the characters from nothing. Unlike right, unlike our returning characters, 
So I guess that's I guess that's in general with the kind of franchise. Like it, it goes beyond just dub and you know microphone actors, but camera actors too. Because I'm watching like the James Bond movies recently, and you know there there is an element of you've got the returning characters, but you've also got a bunch of new characters who show up every movie. So yeah. Um, but I gotta say, I had not heard the name uh, Lori Himes much before I had started this film, and I think she's great as Letitia. I would actually say she's the standout of the dubs, honestly. You know, since you mentioned it, I kind of have to agree. Yeah, everybody's good, but um, I think she honestly brings a lot of nuance to the role, because she's kind of the only one who's not really playing a cartoonish character, and I mean that in the most complimentary way. Lupin is a cartoon. Yeah. But Letitia, or yeah, Letitia is not really a cartoon character at all in this. So she's probably the most like she's the most grounded character in this. So there, there is kind of that added element that how you have to play her. So yeah, and I mean a lot of the actual emotional weight and punch comes from her and her. Um, and her basically trying to work around her goal as right. becoming a great archaeologist and... Just go to college. <laughs> yeah, that's all she wants to do. She, wants <laughs> she to go to just Boston wants to University. go to college. So, uh, yeah. And, um, and, you know... A, a lot of her delivery is very oh. subtle. And a lot of the ways she kind of, like, presents herself is, is very, like is very quiet and very contemplative and I really enjoyed that. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got to say, like, her interactions with, um, with J. David Bremer as well. Because a lamb bear is a dick. <laughs> like, he is an abusive asshole to her. Um, Lambert basically took her in knowing she was the, um, she was Brisson's granddaughter and tried to mold her into somebody he could use to get the diary and then be able to use the diary. And in the end, he almost got his way. But ultimately, you know, when you get this ultimate source of power and you're just like, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm gonna use this as a weapon. I'm gonna destroy everything with it. You're gonna go down. Like, that's your that's moment of downfall right there. Right, because that's like how actual Nazis behaved. Like, they didn't they and didn't yeah. they didn't typically save stuff for Hitler. They typically were like, no, I'm just gonna keep this for myself. Like, forget Hitler. So. Yeah. What the hell? I'll just go for the power grab myself. Yeah. Um, but I... I love how absolutely conniving um, the performance was. Like, not only is he trying to use Letitia to his ends, he's also... He's also manipulating Gerard and the, um, and the Ananerba to his own ends as well, because, like, 
he doesn't intend to use this for any cause other than himself. Right. Like, what are the people around him except backs to plunge knives into? Right, I mean, as far as he's concerned, the Third Reich is dead and gone. So there's, there's yeah. this element of he doesn't really have any greater motivation than just to find this and have it. So... And you're right, Br uh, Brimmer brings a lot of, like, intensity to the role, which I think is very good. I think it r really brings the character to life a lot, and it, it really, like, balances well against Letitia, who's more shy and more quiet and more held back, while, while Brimmer is very boastful and very open and angry as playing Lambert. Yeah. And I mean, it's he's also getting he's also getting abused by um, Gerard, <laughs> which bringing us into uh, Paul Guyette as the closest lookalike I have seen to David Lynch in an anime. Yep, yep. People often say that, and no, um, knowing the Lupin franchise, that may have been intentional. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe it. It's Thursday. Uh, but sorry. <laughs> If you would believe it, it is Friday again. Yeah. Is that is that what it is? It's uh, Friday? I think it's Friday. Okay, alright. I know the meme, I just don't know it word for word. So. Yeah, I get ya. But yeah, Paul Gayette is this fiercely loyal soldier and... The, like, mo he the most loyal the Nazi one. in history. <laughs> Yeah, he, he thinks he's going to deliver this super weapon to Hitler. I think the implication but, is that he was the Hitler youth. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Because he looks you young know what? enough. Now that... Like, he looks yeah, this would have been like young late, enough. Right. This is supposed to be the 60s. So late 60s. I think Gerard was, a, was one of the Hitler youth. So I think that's where the loyalty is supposed to come from. So... I could believe it. Yeah. He's Jojo Rabbit. Um, but man, I think the pivotal scene with Paul Guyette is when he's um, he's talking to who he thinks is Hitler, right. showing him the eclipse and, you know, this is how you, this is how you control it and everything. Which I think was a Doctor Strange and, you know, reference. Hitler's playing with the controls... You know, Hitler's playing with the controls all giddily, gets up out of his wheelchair, and, he's, and Gerard is just like, wait a second. I, I, I just loop on the entire time. I think that was a Doctor Strange love reference, but I'm not sure. The fact that he gets out of his wheelchair like that. So. I. Yeah. I feel like it would have been. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a really fun scene. When he, when he gets out of the chair. And Ger yeah. Geralt's just like, what is happening? That's kind of Geralt through this whole movie, is him not understanding what the hell is going on. <laughs> and you know, for as cartoonish as Lupin is, it's actually kind of great that when, um, that when Lambert and Gerard finally show their true colors, respectively... 
Um, they in and of themselves become their own cartoon villains. Pretty much. And their respective actors are able to just lean into that so well. Um, but I think I think we've done a pretty decent job mentioning how we feel about the um, well. I do want to say the new guys. Let's talk I, about the old. Oh, I do. Sure. I do want to say that I think Paul Guyette did a great job with his accents. Like um, yes, he he's a relatively unknown. I want to say. Um, like and the fact. Uh, he- the fact that he kind of came in and sort of... First of all, he's the only one who's doing an accent in this entire dub. So you gotta give him props on that one. Um, yeah. And German accents are kind of fun. Like, honestly. <laughs> they can be. So They uh, are, but they're really hard to do, like, with any sense of realism. Pretty much. Believe uh, me, I took, I've taken five years of German between middle and high school. It's a fun language to learn, but not particularly fun to speak. And I guess this, and I guess Paul Guyette lives, is a New York actor based on his, uh, okay. So that makes sense. I guess Laurie Himes is too. Uh, Of course, J. David Brimmer is because he's done a bunch of stuff for like four kids and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess that's kind of it is like all the newcomers were played by New Yorkers. While the rest of them yeah. were played by California people. So that's, you know, that's fun. But I guess that's kind of the, the nature of the beast. If you're going to dub something like this and have returning care, you know, returning actors. So, yeah, especially when you move studios over where you get, you get everybody you need from where they came from. And then everybody else, you just fill with what you've got. Hmm. But I think they, like, they all did better than serviceable and, like, legitimately good. And in the case of um, Letitia and Lori Himes, like, pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about Zenigata for a sec. <laughs> I love to talk about Zenigata. Um... I know Doug Herholtz is trying to kind of, um, isn't trying to reinvent how Zenigata was portrayed in, um, in part two. But I just, like, I love his performance as Zenigata. I, I love it's his great. Zenigata. It's great. You know, um, he clearly has a lot of fun with the role. Like, he, he's... He's a very good actor, but he, he tends to have the most fun with the more outlandish characters, like Polnareff and characters like yeah. that. You know, so it's always great to see him kind of, like, cut loose and just be goofy, because he's really good at being goofy. So... Exactly. Uh, and, you know, as much as Zenigata tries to portray himself as sort of the straight-laced gumshoe... Right. He can't help but fall for Lupin shit. Yeah. It's funny. It, that's... Zenigata is his own worst enemy because he's actually a very good, like, an Interpol detective. Like, he's actually yeah. good at his job. But he's so, like, stingy and narrow-minded that it's often the his own, like, fault that ends up making him loose. 
So, yeah. And I mean, in popular culture, sort of that... Sort of that serious character whose single-mindedness toward one thing ends up being his undoing. Sort of the, um... Like, it feels like the, um... It feels like Squidward, honestly. <laughs> like, he is... Sorry. No, I, I, I get what you're he's... saying, but that's really funny. So, Like, he is so single-mindedly obsessed with, um... It's not like he dislikes Spongebob. It's that he... He can't understand the things that make Spongebob happy, and it is his insistence on avoiding that that ends up being his own pitfall. Right. Right. I, I see what you're saying. But in that sense, he um, Zenigata is just so hell-bent on getting Lupin that he can catch every criminal in the world except him. Right. Right. Because and he... Like, the newer anime has done a great job of showing just how competent Zenigata really can be. It's just Lupin is just better. That's pretty much it. I don't think it's entirely that either. Like, personally, I think... The idea of Zenigata catching Lupin the Third is the dog chasing the car. What right. do you do when you finally... When the dog finally catches up to the car and, you know... And gets a car, what is it going to do from that point on? Pretty much, yeah. Like, the two complete each other whether they know it or not. And I think Lupin is more aware of this fact than Zenigata. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I think some of my favorite parts of uh, Zenigata in this and Doug Earholt's performance specifically are the moments where he's kind of acting professional. Like, that's, that's, those are some really good moments. Like, when he's trying to be, like, a gentleman to Letitia. Like, those yeah. are, those are really good moments. Like, and I think Doug Earholt's delivers those, uh, moments really, really well. And, um, yeah. Like, there's not a ton to say for, for Doug. Because he's yeah. not in the movie all that much, but... It's always just a delight to see Zenigana, and Doug wears the role well. So, it's it's always yes. fun to see him. And now they... I just got the Blu-ray for part one, where they're... Where they dubbed all the episodes they never got to, and it's really cool, like, to hear them all. And Doug is still Zenigana in that. So, it's fun that he kind of got to do the original Lupin anime now. So... Yeah. That... That is cool that, yeah. you know, TMS was able to go back and, um, and, and get everybody back to redub part one. And it's now out on Blu-ray and I need to get to that eventually, but I just think that's so cool. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to go ahead and lump, um, you know, Fujiko, Jigen, and Goemon together because they're pretty much they... in the in the movie all the amount of same screen time. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta say, Michelle Ruff does a really good Fujiko. She is Fujiko. Like she is the definitive voice of Fujiko, in in my opinion. Like yeah, um, and and it's great. And I love the fact that it was like Marilyn Monroe that 
like inspired her Fujiko. And I think that's wonderful because I think that's a great basis to have the voice for, for Fujiko Mine. And you can absolutely hear it too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. She's got that kind of that kind of squeaky, girly sound to her. And she can still put on the the, the femme fatale kind of stuff, which is great. Yeah, so. and I like that it's squeaky, but at the same time, it has that sort of smoky heft to it. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly like Marilyn Monroe. Pretty much. Pretty much. And Richard Epcar as Jigen is just... He's smooth. he's wonderful. And you can tell he loves playing this role. Honestly. Yes. I remember him descri- it, I remember him saying like in that round table of actors like he's just saying Jigen's hot. He looks hot in this movie. <laughs> he is uncomfortably hot in Love on the Third the 1st. Yeah, I think I think he got the best glow up of anyone in this. So uh it's 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 fun because he doesn't look like an old man anymore. And I think that's yeah. I think that's what's part of it. I think that's the reason he got the biggest club. Because they've always drawn him like an old man, even though he's only supposed to be like thirty seven, I guess, or something. Somewhere around there. You know? And the thing I find really funny is that the um I believe the Japanese actor for um for Jigen is one of the was one of the older older members of the uh of the cast. Right. And now it's Solid Snake, right? Or something, didn't yeah, he, yeah. Didn't he take over the role? So I want to say, I want to say so, yeah. But the um, the original actor for Jigen did retire um, right. with the first episode of Lupin Part Six, right? Which I thought was really cool because they used that to pass the torch. Um, but Richard Epcar is, to me, um, being you know. The guy who watched Loop on the Third religiously in high school because it <laughs> popped up on Adult Swim at, a, at an hour he happened to be awake. Ignore that. <laughs> um, Richard Epcar, to me, is Jigen. And I know many actors before him and after him have played Jigen. But... Yeah. And they've done a great job. Yeah, I guess the Funimation stuff never got on Adult Swim, did it? No. Okay. Yeah, I guess it would have been kind of weird, because they were all TV they, specials. So. And they did try to get... Um, Funimation and um, Adult Swim tried to get the woman called Fujiko Mine on there, but they just could not get it to pass standards and practices. Which is surprising, because even though it's... it's adult, it's not that bad, but maybe this is a discussion for another day. So. Yeah. But yeah, to sum up, Richard Epcar is is my dice gauge again. He's um, fantastic. He came he came into this movie and just lit every scene he was in on fire. And to be honest, Goemon's kind of a quiet character anyway, but I like Lex Lang as him. He, I would, he gives it the right awkward energy. Yeah, I would say Lex Lang had the least amount to do in this stuff, unfortunately. But, yeah. You know. That's but okay, he did, though. He did get to do one of my favorite scenes in the film, which was <laughs> the um, 
which was at the end when they were trying to get to the Eclipse, and his sword was, um... They needed something made out of meteorite, and it turned right. out it was his sword, but he couldn't leave it behind. Right. It's on Tetskin, on Tetskin, on And when he finally does, he's just like, yeah, forgive me, Zontetskin. Or Zonket. Whatever it was called. Zontetskin. Zontetskin, thank you. It's okay, they pronounce it Goyamon for some reason. Can't win all the pronunciation battles. Love you guys if you listen to this. Just want to make that clear. I love you all. Yeah. You all are very wonderful actors. And I think we finally come to it. The man of the hour. Yep. Tony Oliver is Lupin. Which, the thing I love, it, it was particular with part two, but it also really comes into play here, is um, Tony Oliver gets the fact that Lupin Third is able to squash and stretch. Yeah, um, yeah. This is this is not apropos of the dub or anything like that. But my God, the way they figured out how to make Lupin move in three D in this movie is just incredible. Honestly, yes. Yeah, the model looks great, and it it's animated really well, especially since Lupin tends to be the most animated character in any given frame. Yeah. Um, and Tony Oliver is able to lend that same kind of energy to the performance. Um, he He's goofy when Lupin needs to be. He's deathly serious when it calls for it. Which isn't very often, but it happened in the <laughs> right. movie. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of... There's a couple of really good uh, serious moments. Um, but I think the standout moment for Lupin in the film is um it's after Letitia gets thrown out of the plane yeah and he's just like yeah lovely weather huh yeah <laughs> sort of the Bugs Bunny-esque uh, uh, yeah well I was gonna out say the plane as well I was gonna say it's very he, he plays him very Bugs Bunny which I think is a great way to approach the character so yes like I, I think I think for most like old school Lupin fans you would say that like Bob Bergen is kind of the gold standard. Like, he kind of set the basis for how, like, the actors to come after him kind of play Lupin. Because mm-hmm. he was kind of the first one to kind of play Lupin with, with a, a more nasally, high-pitched voice like this. You know, and then kind of the actors like Tony Oliver, like Sonny Strait, kind of came in and kind of used that as the basis to mold their Lupin. So, and it's great. Yeah. It, it, it all works wonderful. And the fact that he has been played by so many different actors, it, it's given them all a chance to kind of mold their Lupin in different ways. And I think it helps that they are all playing kind of different versions of Lupin. So, and, and I feel and, like know, because this is so apropos of the, of the anime, the fact that, like I said, this feels like a continuation of part two, I think it's great that we have Tony Oliver here who can still play his Lupin specifically. Yeah. And honestly, since you brought up um, Bob Bergen being the sort of template of the English voice of Lupin, um, I personally think the character is the one who benefited most from that. 
because um, really, you you listen to things like the um, the original Castle of Cagliostro dub and some of the other Lupin dubs from the early era right. that came before Genion, and they're Jigen, they're Goemon, they're Fujiko. They all sound radically different from what we get now. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Um, but Lupin, as a character, has changed hands. I think maybe with the exception of the Koike films, but that was and David their Hader. own... Yeah, and David Hayter. Um, but that was their own special thing with the Koike movies, where right. Lupin had to be a specific way that being sort of a cartoonish performance would not have helped. Yeah, I am so glad Keith Silverstein played it straight. So Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, playing Lupin the way that Sonny Strait and, uh, and Tony Oliver have played it would not have worked for the Koike movies at all. Exactly. It worked for the woman called Fujiko Mine, because Sonny Strait played him in that. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, Lupin's performance in um, in the woman called Fujiko Mine was still a little cartoonish, yeah. and they could get away with that. But as the movies progressed and got more mature, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. The Koike um, movies. The Lupin in that is is not a cartoon character. He is just a skinny, like scheming dude. So. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, with the um, with sort of the 3D rubber hose animation with Lupin, Tony Oliver really got a playground. Oh, yeah. Or a, a sandbox to play in. And really kind of took... took the goofy Lupin persona into new directions. And I... I love it to death. It, it works really well in this movie. Like... It, it, all, it all flows very well... Like he he gets to really kind of play a, a huge range of emotions. That's a lot of fun to watch. Um, he gets to be very quiet and contemplative in the in the more like closed off scenes, and he gets to be wild and wacky in the more open scenes. Like when he is jumping out of of a plane without a parachute, and he's just yeah. twiddling around, and it's it's great to watch because it feels so genuine to the Lupin character. And Tony Oliver is just great with like it appears I've forgotten a parachute. You know, so... Yeah. And him playing off of Day J, uh, J. David Brimmer, him playing off Paul Guyette, off of Lori Hines, um, he just does a really good job coming into those characters and pushing them. Pushing buttons. Yeah, exactly. Nazis lose! <laughs> yes! Uh, but it's just him being this cartoonish foil to Lambert and Gerard. Yeah. Two men who take themselves way too seriously versus Lupin, who's a guy who never takes himself seriously at all. So, Which, if we're going into the metaphor that Lupin is being played like Bugs Bunny... Right. Uh... Lambert and Gerard are definitely the Elmer Fudd and the Yosemite Sam. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. <sighs> so, are we ready to go into final thoughts? 
Uh, I guess so, yeah. Alright. I, um... Honestly, I wasn't sure what to, uh... What to expect when I came into this film. But it ends up being a really fun... It feels like a throwback to, um... Not Indiana Jones films, but sort of the adventure serials of the um, of the forties and fifties. Right. Um, while also being a an actually pretty well put together heist film, um, it feels approachable f to white audiences. Um, this this is what I recommend people when they're trying to get into Lupin. Because I don't think there's a better basis for, like, actually understanding the series than watching this movie. Yeah. Aside from the anime. Because I don't want to recommend the one we call Fujiko Mine. You know? I don't... Yeah. I don't really want to recommend Castle of Cagliostro either. Even though that's a fun, like, adventurous animated caper... It's not very indicative of what you're going to find in the Lupin series. It is it is a Miyazaki film before it is a Lupin yeah. film. So. <laughs> it is Lupin the Third very much through the lens of Hayao Miyazaki. Yes. It's a, it's a great movie, but it is not a good Lupin movie. <laughs> so. And, yeah. This gets the character of Lupin the Third. And the other members of the core cast get to shine in their own ways, but they're not, like... I think my only complaint is they're not really given much to do. Uh, like, you could have done just Lupin, Letitia, Lambert, and uh, Gerard, and it would have been a competent film, but... Yeah. I am glad they're there to sort of round it out, and they kind of come together in the final act. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, they don't have that much to do, but at least they're given purpose. So. Exactly. Uh, so, how do you feel about the film? Um, well, it's funny. It's funny you brought up how you didn't know how to initially feel, because my initial thoughts when this was announced before it was ever announced that it was going to have a dub was that they were going to get a completely new cast. Like, yeah. because of the fact that G-Kids got it, my assumption was, is that they're going to get a whole new dub cast for it. And part of me was like, I'm okay with that. Like, I understand that this is a new Lupin property, and no... Aside, well, <laughs> I don't want to get into it too much, but no Lupin dub crew is necessarily sacred. But... Yeah. Um... And I think that's just a, you know, a, a product of the franchise rather than the necessarily the talent level of every actor. Um, exactly. But I was pleasantly surprised when I found out, nope, they're getting the Ginian dub. They're getting the Ginian cast. And I was like, oh my god, wow, they're G-Kids actually really cares, I guess, the fact that they're willing to do this. Like, my assumption was that they were going to get, like, a cast of known celebrities. And again... I would have been okay with that. It would have been interesting yeah. to see, like, a celebrity cast for Lupin. And I wouldn't have said, oh, this is sacrilege because this is a new Lupin. 
But the fact that G-Kids actually went so far as to get Richard F. Carr, and the fact that Richard F. Carr got to bring all of his friends and all of his colleagues along to do this, it was really great, and it made it feel more authentic. And it made it feel yes. like I'm just watching the next evolution of the Lupin franchise. It's It doesn't feel like a, a you know, a side quill kind of thing like the Koike movies or the woman called Fujiko Mine, which is more of a prequel, but um, or, you know, it felt like, hey, this is the same universe that Mystery of Mamo took place in. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which is it a feels like a natural extension of part two. Yeah, it's it's a little better than Mamo, but uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, it it feels like it's set in the same world that that an that the anime established, and that's great, and that's and having the actors, having Michelle Ruff come back as uh, as Fujiko, and having Tony Oliver come back as Lupin, and Lex Lang is going on. And especially Richard as as Zeni, uh, not Zeniga, sorry, as Jigen, and having him do the script, it gives it this level of authentic authenticity that you wouldn't have had with the celebrity cast, that you wouldn't yeah. have had if you would just randomly given it to, I don't know, Sony Pictures to dub it or something. I guess I, I don't know what what bigger companies dub stuff, like uh, who. <laughs> Who dubbed uh, uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower from Netflix or whatever? <laughs> that kind of thing. Where um, got... Yeah, it was some... Well, G-Kids did get the film, but they um, they shipped it out to a studio in the UK. Right, right. But that that's my point. It's like G-Kids gotcha. could have easily gotten like celebrity actors because they can they got the money for it. <laughs> they they yeah, can afford they, it. They could have easily taken this to... Like the studios that handle Ghibli films, and we could have gotten like I don't know, um... friggin' Jim Carrey as Lupin, which would have been fine. That would have yeah. been perfectly fine. I would have been okay with that. But I'm so glad that it's Tony Oliver. You know? Yeah. So, um, and I do agree with you that I more now than back in uh, back when I was first watching Lupin, but like. If a recasting happens, I'm generally okay with it. Right. But when you... Especially when a franchise changes hands, if you get the same dub actors, it feel, it's that little extra touch that makes you feel like, yeah, uh, the production crew behind it cares. Yeah, it would be a little different if, like, Cowboy Bebop came back and then a new dub cast... <laughs> came in yeah. or something like that which unjinx uh you know let's hope that never happens um and yeah to be fair there are some dubs that are absolutely sacrosanct that if they came back and there were any changes that didn't need to happen there would be a problem yeah but wink Lu wink crunchy roll trigon <laughs> right right that's a whole nother can of worms uh yeah We'll worry about that in 2023. Yeah. But, um... I mean, we'll just have to see how that movie looks in general. Honestly, but... Uh, <laughs> anyway, back to Lupin. Um, yeah, it's just... But it's... It, it warmed my heart to see the G-Kids cared enough to say, hey, 
We want Richard Epcar back. We want Tony Oliver yeah. to play Lupin. We want Michelle Ruff to be Fujiko, and we want Le Lex Lang to be, you know, uh, Goemon. And, you know, hey, Doug Erholtz should play uh, in Zenigata, too, if we're doing this. So, and it, it's great that you have such talented directors like Michael Sinternicolas and Stephanie Shea at the helm. And clearly they get it. Clearly they understand how Lupin is supposed to be played. Because yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like overall the f it feels like Lupin. It feels sincere. It feels genuine. It feels like exactly what you what we ask for as fans of Lupin. Yes. This is the most passionate I've ever and... gotten on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Lupin the Third. Yeah, it's it's a franchise near and dear to my heart. It was. It was kind of the series when I was getting into anime that I really got into. And I <clears throat> I was just like, wow, there's so much here to explore, and I love it. So. Yeah. Especially when you turn around and learn that there's even more than what Adult Swim aired. Right. And then you start to explore that world, and it ends up becoming its own thing. Uh, but in any case... Um, if you wish to check out Lupin the Third the First, um, it is available on most, if not all, major rental and DTO platforms, um, such as Amazon, Google, YouTube. Um, unfortunately, there is not a legal, um, uh, you know, a, a streaming service that carries Lupin the Third the First right now. For free, you mean, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, for free or carried with your subscription. Right, right, um, right. And also, it is available via Blu-ray um, from Shout Factory. Yeah, just get the Blu-ray. And I believe the Steelbook is also still available, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I have the Steelbook. I've got it right here. It's great. Yeah, it, it looks like the, the Diary of, of Brisson. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, I, I have the standard one myself, but when I went to uh, New York Anime Fest, I got it signed by the entire cast. Yeah, and you know what? It, it, looking at the Blu-ray box, it's like... G-Kids clearly has a soft spot for the fans. The fact that they would be willing to go this far. Because this could have easily just been a cheap drop. You know? And the fact yeah. that they were willing to put it in theaters, too, was so cool. Yes. Even though it was like me and one other guy when I went to see it when it was re-released in theaters. But whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's an anime screening. Yeah. I, it, it didn't have the you, same feel as when Broly came out, but I guess it was never going to. So You either get two people at those or you pack the house. Yeah, There is no in-between. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also on that note, um, it is licensed by G-Kids, so occasionally they will reissue the film for theaters. Um. I don't have dates for that off the top of my head because it's going to wa vary wildly from place to place. Yeah. Uh, but they do they do bring their films back every once in a while to put them out in theaters. Right, especially Ghibli because they know those will always yes. sell pretty well because you can bring the kids and stuff. So you can bring your kids to this, honestly. There's nothing really bad in this movie that your kids shouldn't see. So... Except, unless you don't want them to be exposed to Nazis or something. Yeah. So, if you wish to know uh, the things we are doing, um, 
if you are... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, if you're watching this through our audio-only feeds, you can find us on youtube.com slash dubtop. Um, and if you are watching this on YouTube, um, we have audio feeds on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I believe we have a new one now, but I, I can't remember. Um, Podbean. There we go. Interesting. Uh, so we have a Kofi, and we have a Patreon. And at the end of each episode, we like to shout out our current patrons. Uh, so at the $5 tier, we have Megan's mom and dad, Michelle Travis, Nico Robin, but with the owie hands, and Victor Mybaroda. And at the $10 tier, we have Anthony Brown, Carly Lessacow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, Jared Hawkins, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Thank you guys so much. Um, it is your contributions that let us do what we do. Thank you all so very much. Yes. Uh, so we have a Twitter at um, twitter.com slash dubtalkpodcast. Um, mainly lets you know when our episodes go live, and sometimes we interact with you there. Um, we also have a Twitch feed now that we're um, that we're doing stuff with. Um, I'm currently on hiatus because my work schedule fluctuates wildly. Um, but I am... When I can stream, I am doing a playthrough of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Great game. Um, Love that game. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I, I played quite a bit of it on PS5, and now I have it on Steam, just as an excuse to play it again. Nice. Alright, and um, Lack, why don't you tell us where we can find you? Alright, well, the best places you can probably find me are on TikTok, at LackTheWatcher. I'm also on Twitter, at LackTheWatcher, but I don't really use my Twitter much anymore. I got a little burnt out from Twitter. Um, mm, yeah, I hear ya. I have a newish YouTube that I've been uploading most of my TikTok stuff onto. It's LackTheWatcher Dubs. You can find it pretty easily. I'm on the road to getting 600 subs, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, Instagram at Like the Watcher. I don't really update my Instagram all that much, but if you want to follow me there, that's cool. Um, but yeah, TikTok is mostly where you'll find me. I actually just recently, a month ago, uploaded a Lupin-based sketch where I voice all the characters in it, and it was really fun to do. And it was, it did pretty well actually. It got over a thousand likes. And I also just did nice. a, a uh, JoJo one with me as Dio and Jotaro. That actually got me up to 7,500 likes, which is really cool. Um, I just passed the 6,000 mark of followers on TikTok, so I'm moving pretty well. Um, so yeah, if you want to keep up with me, that's probably the best place to go. So, Okay. And I am Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. You can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice, um, mainly retweet cute animal pics. Talk general fandom. It's a good time. You should come see me. Um, I am working on a review for my blog, finally. Um, I can tell you what it is because now I am inspired enough to do it. I am writing a review on the um, on something that is also going to be my Patrick's cool thing of the day for tonight. Uh, and that is Mad God. Um, you can find that over on Shudder. Um, it is a film by special effects 
guru Phil Teppitz. Um, it is basically a... I don't know how to describe it. It is... Um, it is a descent into an Algarian version of hell. Um, it is very visceral. It's, um... It's like the sleep paralysis demons your sleep paralysis demon gets. Uh, let's just leave it at that. Um, you watch it once, you're generally okay after that, but... Man, it is a hell of a time as you, uh, as you go through it. So... Patrick's cool thing of the day is Mad God. <laughs> and with that, I believe our episode has come to a close. We have left our little calling card and stolen the hearts of the people around us. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was like, was that my cue or something? Or what's oh. going on? Yeah, if you wanted to add a little something into that uh okay uh i don't really have anything <laughs> i didn't okay. know yeah no no you're good yeah um yeah so with that um from the dub talk podcast to you the listener uh we wish you a good evening and otaku on the daba and click